2: Doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing.
4: We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. My country tears of thee. <laughs> Sweet land of liberty of be our
2: As for the enemies of freedom,
0: This is Always Right Radio, on AM 1420,
3: The Answer. is your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you so much for being with us as we get underway at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. On a Thursday, the second morning of the 11th month in the year of our Lord, 2023. We're five days away from deciding. Although you should not wait five days to decide. You should go and vote no on issue one and no on issue two today. Get to your local board of elections. My wife and I went earlier this week. I know many people who went last week. I know many people who went the week before. It's a four-week early voting window which I like uh, like to uh, uh, compare to a football game with four quarters. You've got to score points in every quarter in order to make the two-minute warning even relevant, which is what you would call next Tuesday, Election Day. So we're going to continue to beat that drum. Vote no, vote no, vote no. Don't wait until Tuesday. You may have something come up that stops you from getting to the polls. You have no earthly idea what it is, and it's too important. It's the most important, I think, Um, Amendment issue or ballot item uh, that's, you know, not to say necessarily particular election uh, for, you know, uh, uh, for officially elected offices. But when it comes to ballot amendments or ballot items, this might be the most important one uh, that we have faced in the state of Ohio in my lifetime and maybe beyond my lifetime, maybe beyond yours, maybe ever. It is that crucial uh, what is going to happen here with parents' rights, with babies' rights with uh, the right to uh, not let kids get influenced into transing and changing their genders without their parents' permission. All of it is on the ballot on Tuesday. So uh, I'm going to continue to uh, to remind you about this. We've got five days. Five days. Go and get your ballot cast now. All right, we got a huge uh, program for you this morning. I'm going to start with an update on the Strongsville story, and then I'm going to tell you about the congressional story. Strongsville, if you don't know, we followed it up a little bit, and I did a road rant about this yesterday as well, and if you are not following me on my Rumble page or my Twitter page or my Facebook page um, or my Truth Social page, you won't find the road rant videos that I record uh, just occasionally when I'm I, th- I think so. I was talking to Seth about this a couple of weeks ago. He agrees. Many people, myself included, just do our best thinking. Sometimes our best thinking when we're all alone and we're driving. When you're on you're on the road and you've got nothing but yourself and your thoughts, there's nobody to talk to, you do your best thinking. Sometimes you get your best thoughts, and when you get your best thoughts, you want to roll them out, and that's what I do. So I always have a my camera mounted up on uh, on my dash, and, uh, and away we go sometimes. So I did a road around on this story. I'll give you a thumbnail sketch version of it here. Strongsville has suspended, not, not suspended, but put on administrative leave a teacher who wrote, uh, the alleged, uh, Islamophobic comment on his whiteboard at the start of class. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. That, uh, is, that message is, is very, very simple. And I have a picture of it. I have an image of it. We had a caller yesterday who told me she had a picture of it and asked me if I wanted to see it, or I think I requested to see it. And, uh, it's posted now on, underneath my road rant on my Facebook page, at least on my Facebook page. And I'll put it elsewhere as, as I can as well. But it's very simple. Um, it's, it's one, two, three, four, five words. It says Islamic. Normal people. I'm sorry, normal believers, I think it says, now that I look at it more closely. Apologies. And then it says Islamist, with the I-S-T underlined and in a different color, equals terrorist. So it's Islamic equals normal believers. Uh, Islamist is terrorist. And as I said in the rant, and I'll say now, how on earth is it Islamophobic if it's true? People who are just generally Islamic, meaning Muslims, who are not fundamentalists, who are not radicals, are a threat to no one. People who are just regular old Muslims who go to their mosques and they say their prayers and they live their lives and they do their thing are no different than anybody else. Islamists are very different. Islamists uh, are a believer in the Islamic political ideology. It is a political ideology organization. Islamists believe that it is their responsibility based upon the teachings in the Holy Quran to destroy the entire well I shouldn't say destroy the entire world but to kill or convert everyone around the entire world to, uh, to the point where there is only one dominant religion across the planet and that would be Islam. Kill or convert. Establish a worldwide caliphate. That's what Islamism is all about. And yes, those individuals who believe in Islamism and who do believe in establishing said caliphate commit terror acts. So there's nothing wrong with separating regular old Islam from Islamists. That's all this teacher did. Well, here's the update to the story this morning. Believe it or not, and I still want you to understand what CARE is, the Council on American-Islamic Relations. And I talked about this. They're the essentially the, uh, uh, the media arm, if you will, of the Muslim Brotherhood in the United States. They are not, repeat not, what they seem to be. They try to present themselves as a, an organization that is trying to broker peace or broker common understanding, common ground or whatever between Muslims and non-Muslims in the United States. What they are is much more nefarious. However, sometimes they do things and they say things in order to kind of provide some cover for what they are and what they do and what they believe. And then this, is, this is one of those times. This update came by way of Fox 8. An Arab-American community leader spoke out to the Fox 8i team about a local teacher placed on leave. In a statement, the district confirmed that the teacher was placed on administrative leave amid the investigation for what he wrote on the whiteboard. Um, Some Arab community leaders have suggested that the teacher in question should not be disciplined. They saw the pictures, the same one that I posted, of the whiteboard, and they were told what the teacher wrote, and they do not believe the teacher should be disciplined. Quote from F- Fatan Ode, always a guess with the name sometimes. Interim Executive Director of the Cleveland Chapter of Care, quote, According to my sources, a teacher reached out to a parent and tried to explain the context of what was written on the board, and from the explanation from the teacher that I could tell, it did not seem the teacher was ill-intentioned. He was trying to explain what was in a documentary on the conflict between Pakistan and India. He added that he did not feel the teacher should face any discipline and commended the school district for looking into the issue so quickly. Ali a. Mustafa, an attorney, said, quote, it appeared the teacher was simply trying to explain the distinction between Islam and a political ideology, emphasizing they are not the same. And there it is. That is exactly correct. Again, I don't want to tr- sit here and try to ascribe motive to why they say what they say, but I do know what the, what the how the game is played. There are certain things they have to say to gin up goodwill in the community. This would be one of those. What they do on a deeper level is a lot more nefarious. But good for them. Thank you to the Cleveland chapter of care for doing what had to be done correctly this time around. And I hope Strongsville immediately, immediately wraps up their investigation and says, yeah, uh, it's not Islamophobic to point out that, yes, there are Islamic terrorists. Yes, there are normal Muslims. Hence the words Islamic equals uh, normal believers. And then there are are Muslims who are terrorists. They believe in Islamism, which is a very different thing. And those terrorists have to be identified as what they are. So good for the teacher. Good for care in this case. Now the ball is in your court, Strongsville. Do the right thing. Lift this or wrap this stupid investigation. Announce the teacher did nothing wrong. Put him back in the classroom. And let's get on with the the business uh, of, of educating kids. So that's the update I wanted to start with this morning. The second one that I want to talk about in the monologue was a deeply, deeply disappointing and disturbing story that we got late last night. There was a motion to censure progressive, radical, savage. That's right, I said savage, because when you promote savagery, you are in league with savages. Uh, savage, um, uh, terrorist-sympathizing representative Rashida Sharia Tlaib from Michigan. Marjorie Taylor Greene introduced the resolution to censure her officially for her ongoing demonization of Israel, her ongoing public support for Hamas, a terror group, and her ongoing uh, um, attack, essentially, on Jews in, in Israel. Nearly two dozen Republicans, however, voted with the Democrats, 23 of them to be precise, either voted with the Democrats or did not vote at all and abstain uh, to defeat that resolution. Final vote, 222 to 186 in favor of killing the motion without debate. Democrats broke out into applause when the resolution failed. The language in the censure, in the resolution of censure, um, was pretty strong and it was pretty direct and it was pretty accurate as far as I'm concerned because it did indeed identify and list the number of ways that Rashida Talib, who's supposed to represent the United States of America, and instead is representing Palestinians in the Middle East and Palestinians who, ca- who came to live here. That's who she's representing, not the people of this, either, of this country. She's representing the people to whom she is most um, uh, identified or with whom she is most identified, the people she has the most, most loyalty to, Palestinians, not Americans. This censure a formal punishment in the House should have gone through. I believe that. I can read a portion of it to you because it's important to know exactly what the language says. Um, so so let me give you a little bit about what it says, and then I'm going to give you a little bit on the 23 who voted against censure with uh, the Democrats. All right? Resolution. <clears throat> Whereas. I'm sorry, let me finish, uh, uh, read the heading. Resolution censuring Rep. Representative Rashida Tlaib for anti-Semitic activity, sympathizing with terrorist organizations, and leading an insurrection at the United States Capitol complex. That last part is, of course, going to be, The sticky point. Whereas in May 2019, Rashida Tlaib said she celebrated the Holocaust. Celebrated the Holocaust. And felt a calming feeling when she thinks about the genocide of millions of Jews. Whereas in 2020, Rashida Tlaib retweeted retweeted an illustration with a caption, From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And this Palestinian liberation organization slogan that has been adopted by Hamas and calls for the elimination of Israel and the death of all Jews. Whereas in September 2022, Rashida Tlaib, as a member of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, displayed her disdain for Israel, saying, You cannot claim to hold progressive values, yet back Israel's apartheid government. Whereas instead of denouncing the horrors of Hamas slaughtering Israelis and demanding the release of all hostages held by Hamas, Rashida Tlaib stated on October 8, 2023, the path to the future must include lifting the blockade, ending the occupation and dismantling the apartheid system that creates the suffocating dehumanizing conditions that can lead to resistance. Whereas Rashida Tlaib exhibited her hatred for America by reposting a message on October 12th, blaming America for allowing the deaths of Palestinian babies at the hands of Israel. Whereas Rashida Tlaib led an insurrection at the United States Capitol complex October 18, 2023, which put members of Congress, their staffs, and Capitol visitors in danger. By shutting down elevators, stairwells and points of egress while obstructing official business in both the House of Representatives and the Senate, including a Senate Foreign Affairs Committee hearing. Whereas the insurrection led by Rashida Talib was organized by Jewish Voice for Peace, which is the Anti-Defamation League, uh, which the anti-Defamation League calls a radical anti-Israel activist group that advocates for a complete economic, cultural, and academic boycott of the State of Israel. And believes that Israeli policies and actions are motivated by deeply rooted Jewish racial chauvinism and religious supremacism. Whereas members of the Southern Poverty Law Center, a far-left nonprofit organization, were present at the insurrection at the Capitol on April 18th, or excuse me, on October 18. Whereas several insurrectionists at the Capitol belonged to a group messaging chat called Global Intifada which is the Arabic word for rebellion or uprising and refers to a series of protests and violent riots carried out by Palestinians in Israel during the last century. Whereas by leading an anti-American and anti-Semitic insurrection on October 18th, Rashida talib followed Hezbollah's orders to carry out a day of unprecedented anger following an explosion at a Gaza hospital lying about lying about Israel's responsibility for that attack which United States intelligence agency said was not perpetrated by Israel and whereas members of Congress who denounce the United States while praising terrorist organizations are unfit to hold office now therefore be it resolved that Representative Rashida Tlaib be censured forthwith present herself in the well of the House of Representatives for the pronouncement of censure and be censured with the public reading of this resolution by the speaker that's the entirety of the resolution As you know, I have been the loudest probably voice that you have heard, maybe even on across the um, nationally syndicated Salem radio airwaves, of criticism for Sharia Tlaib. And again, you cannot spell Rashida without Sharia. I don't think it's an accident. If you don't know what Sharia is, you have to pay more attention to what we talk about. Rashida Tlaib is a terrorist sympathizer. She does not hold loyalty for the United States. She holds loyalty for Palestinians, wherever they may be. She holds for the establishment of a Palestinian state where Israel currently sits. That cannot happen unless Israel is wiped out, unless Jews are all exterminated. When she cries and screams, from the river to the sea, she is talking about the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. From the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free. That means they will have to erase Israel from the map. That means they will have to wipe Israel and the Jewish state out in order for that pronouncement to happen. She is a terrorist sympathizer. She is providing aid and comfort to the enemies of Israel and of the United States by making her extraordinary pronouncements here at the U.S. Capitol and on American soil. She is, in, she is literally aiding and abetting <clears throat> Hamas's terrorist activities, which they, by the way, pledge to continue. Side note, headline, Hamas official vows to repeat Israel attacks again and again until it's destroyed. In other words, what happened October 7th is not just a one-off, and now we need a ceasefire, we need to have peace. They just announced the reason why there should be no ceasefire, because they are going to do it again and again and again. Rashida Tlaib emboldens this. Rashida Tlaib drives this. By providing them, you don't think that Al Jazeera, you don't think that any of the other networks that are available to be received in the Middle East are covering American politicians, supporting Hamas, supporting the Palestine dream? Because it's not a reality. There is no Palestine. But um, you don't think that they see this and they realize that the Americans are divided, that the Americans are cracking? In their support for Israel? Rashida Tlaib absolutely should be censored, which is why I was livid last night when I found out that 23 Republicans voted against that censure, along with all of the Democrats. I think it's a terrible look. It's horrific optics. And I was really disappointed when I looked at it and saw three Ohio Republicans on the list, two on the list opposing the resolution, one refused to vote. The one who refused to vote is Dave Joyce. The two that voted to uh, kill the censure, to kill the resolution of censure, were Mike Turner and Max Miller. We talk to Max Miller on a regular basis here. As soon as I saw his name, I reached out to Max Miller last night. I expressed my disappointment. I expressed my, my concern. I asked him for an explanation. He gave me one. Moreover... He agreed to give it to me live on the air this morning. So coming up after the bottom of the hour break, we're going to have Representative, congressional representative Max Miller, Ohio Seven. He's going to tell us all about why he voted against the resolution to censure a woman who can only be classified as a terrorist sympathizer working in the United States Congress. He will explain it to us. You can take that explanation and do with it what you will, but it's my job to bring it to you. I will ask him all of the hard questions, and I expect him to give us honest answers. I have no doubt that he will. I think he gave me honest answers when I spoke with him last night, or rather texted with him last night. So Max Miller will be coming up after the bottom of the hour. You do not want to miss this conversation, I promise you. Before we take that time out, let's do our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, please stand and face your flag. Put your hand on your heart. If you are a believer in terrorist sympathizers, and if you are a believer in what Hamas is doing, and if you are anti-America and anti-Israel, then don't fake it and pledge allegiance. Instead, do what you normally would do. Take a knee like the other Marxist socialists. For the rest of us... I pledge allegiance to the flag
0: of the United States of America and to the republic... For which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on The Answer.
3: All right, it is 9.35. Thanks again for joining us on... (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Wrong time for the frog to hit the throat. Sorry about that. But thanks for being with us on uh, AM 1420, The Answer and Always Right Radio. So nearly two dozen Republicans joined all House Democrats to table, thus killing a resolution, to censure uh, Representative Rashida Tlaib. 222 to 186 was the final number. And as I noted, of those who either voted against... Uh, the resolution or declined to vote three of them were ohio republicans dave joyce did not vote uh, and two ohio republicans voted against censuring rashida tlaib one was mike turner the other was congressman max miller and uh, congressman miller is a regular guest on this program uh, i have a good relationship with him and i felt comfortable and confident enough to contact him last night asking him why not only did he tell me why and what his belief was on this issue, he promised he would come live this morning to explain this to all uh, all of our listeners and certainly all of his constituents. So, Congressman Max Miller does indeed join us now on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, exclusively talking about this uh, very controversial vote. Congressman, good morning. It's good to talk to you again. How are you?
1: Thank you, Bob. I'm I'm doing really well, and uh, thank you for giving me the platform this morning to go ahead and explain. You know, the votes that I've taken in Congress and. Look, as a legislator, that's my job. People have questions about votes that I take. Uh, they put me in this seat, and I should be able to respond to them. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to get into it uh, and get into the reasons as to why.
3: You know, there are a number so, of uh, members of Congress that I would have been shocked to see not voting for this resolution. Um, perhaps none as much as I was uh, shocked to see you, because you have been one of the most outspoken online anyway, uh, you know, on your official platforms. Um, in support of Israel and uh, opposed to the horrific uh, attack by Hamas uh, you have opposed aiding Gaza you have opposed uh, 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 so many things that you know that um, the radical left has has I think championed here in support of the quote unquote Palestinian movement you have been very resolute in your condemnation of everything that has happened in your support of Israel so when I saw your name on the list of those voting against the censure of what I believe to be an actual terrorist Sympathizer, someone whose loyalty is not with the United States, someone whose loyalty is with Palestinians or Palestinians, particularly still in the Middle East. Um, not, to her, not to mention her, not to mention her 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 uh, constituents in uh, in Dearborn, Michigan. I have actually argued that she should be expelled from from Congress. Uh, a step toward that would be an official censure. So when I saw your name, Congressman Miller, given all you have said in support of Israel and condemning Hamas, this blew me away. Can you explain to everybody right now why you did what you did?
1: Yeah, and, and I'm more than happy to. This resolution, uh, and look, I want to make something very clear. I, I like MCG. She's a friend. I, we're we're both friends. But this resolution, if you read it in its full text, Bob, in which I sent you and which we can publish on social media so the constituents can see this very. I, I read
3: it in full, full before. I read it in full to our listeners before you came on, just okay. so they know what happened. Yep.
1: Well, thank you. But this specific text and this specific resolution was modeled after the January 6th insurrection legislation that the Democrats used against President Donald J. Trump. This is the exact type of resolution they used against him. I agree with you that Rashida Tlaib is a disgusting human being who does not answer, I mean, literally is you know, harboring terrorism, thoughts, and rhetoric, okay? We see that she won't even answer for slaughtered babies in which, you know, I have family over there in Israel, and I'm one of two just Republican Jews in this body. And I kicked Ilan Omar off the House Foreign Affairs Committee. But I have to tell you something, Bob. I'm a principled conservative, and if that means that there's a resolution that is literally unlawful and called a riot that happened at the Capitol on October 18th, an insurrection— then we're only giving the Democrats more credibility when it comes to January 6th, and that is something I am never going to stand for, because January 6th was never an insurrection, and what happened on October 18th wasn't an insurrection. Marjorie should have taken this bill through regular order and committee markup and worked with other members of Congress in order to achieve this. If she would have done that, Bob, this would have passed unanimously throughout the House Republican Conference. She chose to go a different route. But I want to repeat, you know, as a member of Congress voting on something that says there is an insurrection here on October 18th, that's a flat-out lie to the American people, and it's unconstitutional. And that's something I'm not going to put my name on and stand for. I think she's vile. And there's other censure measures that are going to be introduced, and we will hold her accountable the appropriate way, in the American way.
3: So your biggest problem with this with this resolution of censure, is the language that says there was an insurrection that she led. And your reason for that is you're saying if we accept this as an insurrection, that we essentially would be uh, agreeing that January 6th was an insurrection. Is that correct?
1: That is, Yes, sir. That is absolutely correct. It gives the Democrats the credibility to say that that was an insurrection when it was not. And to be very clear, on October 18th, I, li- I literally have an office in the Cannon House office building, Bob, I walked around that day of just one of two Republican Jews, and I was not concerned for my safety. I was not concerned for my life. I walked around. No one. I felt fine, okay? This is a gimmick, and that's what I want to tell to the American people. If Marjorie was serious about censoring Rashida Tlaib, she just would have focused on her remarks when it came to Israel and policy and what Rashida has said and what she hasn't accepted about terrorism. That is a serious legislator. This was a gimmick, and I actually find it insulting as somebody who's Jewish that she would try to prop up her own fame as opposed to holding Rashida Tlaib accountable for the savage comments that she re- repeatedly makes. And so for me this is personal. And I find this reprehensible. This woman should be censured and she will be censured. But she needs to be censured in the appropriate way, and this just isn't it. And I'm proud to stand with Chip Roy and Thomas Massey who both agree with me that this legislation was modeled after the January 6th insurrection legislation that went after president Donald J. Trump. And that's something I'm not going to stand for.
3: We're talking with Congressman Max Miller this morning, exclusively a day after really less than a full day after, um, uh, a very important vote uh, to censure Rashida Tlaib for her, uh, semitism and her pro terrorist, uh, rhetoric. Um, Congressman, I get that you're, you know, you're pretty proud of the fact that Chip Roy and Thomas Massie agree with you, but nearly 200 of your colleagues, including some of your closest friends and most staunch conservative allies in that uh, Republican conference, voted to approve and uh, uh, support this this censure. What do you say to them,
1: Bob? I can tell you, so I'm happy to share this, and I'm unfiltered, and you you know me from the very beginning to right now. I can tell you that the majority of the members in the Republican conference, whether they're going to say it publicly or not, agree with me, and that they were scared to not take that vote because they were afraid that they were going to face the pressure on social media, the same pressure that I'm facing right now in the backlash from the constituency. This is what Congress has done. This entire Congress has been run by the minority to go ahead and to push these objectives. Look, I agree with a lot of what the minority has pushed. But right now, the majority of members took that vote, Bob, very simply. And that's a simple vote because they didn't want to go against Marjorie because she's scary. I'm not going to lie. She's intimidating. She comes at you with a massive platform, and so does Matt Gaetz, and they bully members into a vote. It's really funny to me that when I came here, everyone warned me about leadership and how leadership was going to you know, cultivate me and, and change me and tell me how to vote a certain way. You know, as someone who just voted for Jim Jordan for Speaker every single round until we finally hit Mike Johnson, it's not leadership that corrupts people. It's the minority of this conference that bullies other members into voting a certain way, and that is just the flat-out truth, and I'm telling you that as someone who's on the inside of these halls of Congress, who sits in conference meetings and deals with these rank-and-file members who don't have the courage to speak up because they're too lazy and complacent and like their jobs too much in Congress, Bob, that's why. We need to send real fighters to Washington, not complacent losers who just go with the status quo. I'm
4: not that type of guy.
3: But in this particular case, you are among the minority of, uh, of, of Republicans. You, you are one of the minority Republicans who essentially sided with the Democrats as you condemn the minority of the uh, bullies, as you say, who try to uh, force the entire conference to vote a certain way. In this case, you're on the small side.
1: Correct, but I, I've heard this rhetoric before, and it really confuses me because I just saw eight Republicans team up with 200 and some odd Democrats, but yet they were hailed as conservative crusaders, but logic would tell you that they're the biggest rhinos in our conference. So I have a really hard time with that rhetoric from our own base. That, that math doesn't add up. Um, I'm having a really hard time struggling with that and the rhetoric from our conference. I disagree, Bob, respectfully. Okay. I think that... The people who took that vote were principled in their way, and I'm not accepting an insurrection on October 18th or for President Donald Trump, and I stand by that. This censure measure, as you have read, was more about an insurrection on October 18th than it was about Rashida Tlaib's comments. Insurrection was mentioned more than any other word in that resolution. I think you can agree, if you were a legislator, if you were, you know, drawing a piece of legislation up, Bob, that you wouldn't have even done that and I think you would have just curtailed it to her comments and gotten a unanimous vote on the House floor and I believe that a a, you know logical person would do that but she wouldn't take comments from other legislators and that's why it didn't pass this is just like the shift resolution it needs to go through regular order we fought for these rules in the beginning of Congress that you shouldn't bring privilege resolutions to the floor that it should go through proper committee and markup and the rules committee I mean we dragged Kevin McCarthy through hell to make sure that that rule got in place, and now people don't even follow it. And then people wonder why pieces of legislation fail on the floor. It's because the same people who fought for
5: those rules aren't playing by them. It's incredibly frustrating.
3: I want to uh, follow up on on playing by the rules because you know you you've compared this language to the language in the uh, 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 from the January Sixth Committee and their their resolution. Um and, and you say you don't want to legitimize their calling January sixth a, a uh, an actual insurrection by saying that this was an insurrection. Um Court of Public Opinion matters. Um they have already convinced a significant portion of the country and certainly all of the media that January sixth was indeed an insurrection. And so if they have convinced people of that, even if technically you're right and you are and and i agree with you and i've been saying the same thing on the radio since january 7th it was a terrible riot that it got out of control it was never an insurrection it was never a planned attempt to overthrow the government or stop the transfer of power etc etc i agree with you you're right so let me say that out loud you're right that was not but america has been told that it was That committee carried a lot of weight. They put it on national TV. Uh, They produced it prime time with an ABC television producer, for crying out loud, so that they could convince everybody it was. And so since in the mind of most Americans it was, what's wrong with saying if that was an insurrection, then doggone it, this was too, which is what the language dictates.
1: Because even, you know, as I told you, Bob, before, and what I've told other people, I don't look at the Democrat Party or anyone in the Democrat Party as the gold standard bearer for how I'm going to proceed as a conservative Republican within the House of Representatives. I think that's ridiculous. So so they can lie to the American people. Yes, we know they abuse the First Amendment. We're the conservative party. I'm not going to, you know... I'm not going to abuse the power that I have. That's what sets us apart from them. If I want to play low and I want to play dirty and I want to be disgusting, then fine. You know what? Maybe I should just change my party registration, but too bad. I'm not going to do that because I have a backbone. Just because Democrats get away with it and they make it okay doesn't make it okay for us. And if we aren't the party, Bob, to push back and say that wasn't an insurrection and continue on with that narrative because it wasn't and push back, against the media, which is the Democrats' largest super PAC they have within our country, then you're right. We will lose that ground. So you know what? I respectfully disagree. I'm not going to cede that ground. I'm going to continue to push back on these people and say it's not an insurrection as a member of Congress, because it's not. And we need more conservative fighters out there saying that every single day to someone like me, and I have been. I'm not backing away. It's the same thing when it comes to our kids' schools. Conservatives shouldn't lead the public school program because the more they do, the more the Democrats win. I'm sick of the Democrats winning. We're principled. We don't cower. We have spine. If I want to be a jellyfish, then you know what? Then maybe I'll go play with Joe Biden and he can go, you know, we'll have fun at nap time or whatever. But that's not why I'm here, Bob. I'm here to get real work done and not play gimmicks. And this was a gimmick. And there's going to be a new center that's going to be introduced. And that will pass. And that will get the majority, if not everyone in the Republican Party, because this needed to go through regular order. We, I mean, once again... Are you drafting that,
3: Congressman Miller? Are you drafting the new resolution of censure against Rashida Tlaib?
1: We are drafting a censure, yes. And I want to further add, not only is our office drafting a censure, but General Jack Bergman from Michigan has his own resolution uh, and Rashida Tlaib. And that resolution I'm a big fan of because it literally would get all the votes on the Republican conference to pass, and she would be censured. I mean, once again, there's no insurrection here on October 18th. Yes, we are working on a censure. I'm interested to see what General Bergman's censure looks like for Michigan, Uh, but hopefully him and I can team up. Uh, If not, but one of them will be moved to the floor, and she will be censured.
3: Rashida Talib has by been by far Congressman Max Miller the the leader in this, um, but she's not alone. Would there be any thought as you draft a new uh, resolution of censure to including Ilhan Omar, Pramila Jayapal, and anybody else that's on the Hamas caucus, which is what we're calling it? to Corey Bush and so many others who have been just as loud, just as anti-Semitic, just as shrill, and just as um, uh, you know dedicated to supporting terrorist organizations by screaming for a ceasefire. Any any chance that there will be other names included in such a resolution
1: at this moment in time we don't have any other names that are being considered because it was only miss talib's name on the current resolution but we're looking at all options and i just want to add one more thing bob uh last week we introduced an amendment through the appropriations process rashida talib has a palestinian flag that is outside of her office Mm -hmm. we introduced an amendment to get rid of that flag and for government funding to actually pay for it so it can be displayed in the halls of congress The halls of Congress are meant to the American people. Not only have we gotten Ilan Omar, we kicked her off her committee. It was the first thing we did here in Congress. We've now targeted targeted Rashida Tlaib, and we're going to go after the rest of the Hamas squad. And I'm not going to stop. And that's why I'm very comfortable in this position, and I just hope the constituency at this moment understands how we are looking at this current censure. This censure had more to do with an insurrection on October 18th than Tlaib's comments. And as somebody who's Jewish, I do find it incredibly insulting. This is a moment to address the atrocities in our greatest ally in Israel and not to address a gimmick only for clicks and fundraising and then to slam other Republicans online. That's why this is so frustrating for me, Bob. You know, we're far from unified at this point, but I think that after this is done and we can get back to regular order and Speaker Johnson finally has a foothold on this conference, things are finally going to get better. But right now we're far away from that, as you can see.
3: Yeah, well, I'm very glad to know that you are going to be introducing another resolution of censure because I think the people need to hear that you are not somehow not uh, critical of or condemning Rashida Tlaib and everything that she has done and said. So I'm glad to hear that. I want to ask you one final question. It's not having to do with this resolution, but um, yesterday we found out that uh, there was a statement issued by the White House, Press Secretary Green Jean-Pierre, on the President's establishment of the first ever national strategy to counter Islamophobia. At a time, Congressman Miller, when according to federal hate crime statistics, 60% of hate crimes in America last year were targeting Jews. 9% targeted Muslims. So what does the White House do? They create a first-ever national strategy to counter Islamophobia, not anti-Semitism, but Islamophobia. How do you react to that?
1: Disgusting. Uh, I think it's absolutely reprehensible. I mean, this is the progressive left once again pushing President Biden because you know he's got people who actually want from the river to the sea, and we know what that means. The river to the sea means from the West Bank all the way to the Gaza Strip, which is everything in Israel, which means death to Jews. Um, look, Islamophobia is it real? Yes. Uh, is anti-Semitism real? Yes. Is there all forms of hate within our country? But I find it uh, absolutely disgusting that President Biden would start this, as it looks as if there is now a genocide going across uh, not only you know the world right now when it comes to Israel, but a huge anti-Semitism rise within our country. And by the way, if you actually look at the anti-Semitism rise versus Islamophobia within our country, it's more than six or seven times the number. Uh, and it has skyrocketed. And we've seen that liberal universities and campuses cannot, can no longer hide how they really feel about Jewish people. Make no mistake, uh, you know, President Biden may have had a decent response when it came to responding to Israel, but he created the situation. Uh, and him showing for, his, you know, pretty much terrorists, uh, this is what I expect from President Biden. He's feckless. And because of his weakness on the world stage, he's invited aggression in Ukraine and now Israel. And now we see other countries getting involved. And we need to vote him out in 24 and get Trump back in to bring stability to this country, finally, to get back where we were just a few years ago. And I need it, and I believe everyone is desperate for it, and I believe we're going to get him there.
3: Do you believe, Congressman Max Miller, that we will pass – uh, a spending bill that, uh, that, uh, Speaker, New Speaker Johnson is, is proposing, uh, which is a standalone $14 billion aid package to Israel. Um, do you think that the entire Republican conference will back that?
1: I think it will pass out of the House of Representatives. I don't know if it will pass out of a democratically-led Senate. And right now I know Speaker Johnson is conferencing with, you know, Senate President uh, Schumer and uh, Leader McConnell, and they're working through that right now. I'm very confident it will pass out of the House. I don't know if it will pass out of the Senate. I mean, to be very clear, Bob, the last kind of 23 days when we didn't have a speaker put us into paralysis, We would have been over 90% done with the appropriations process. These Israel aid packages would have come out the door as well as maybe a couple others. I mean, right now we have pushed ourselves a month behind our traditional schedule, now even kicking the farm bill to probably after the new year and looking for an extension. And that's really big for our community when we talk about Medina, Wayne, and Holmes counties that we have in the 7th District. So, um, you know, we got a lot of work ahead of us, and we're going to lose a lot of weekends, as we should. Um, but I think that we're going to get back on track and find a way forward to actually, um, you know, yeah, we are probably going to pass a short-term spending bill to directly answer your question. It's the only way that we're going to be able to get through the appropriations process, and uh, we were put in that position because of the speaker fight.
3: Uh, Congressman Miller, let me circle back to the beginning of our conversation to end it this way so that everybody hears you loudly and clearly. You are drafting a new resolution of censure for Rashida Tlaib. You are not opposed to her censure. You are opposed to the way it was written by Marjorie Taylor Greene, correct?
1: Yes, absolutely. We're introducing a censure. And, Bob, I mean, just to go over, I mean, once again... I'm one of two Republican Jews in Congress. I've been the loudest voice on Israel. If anyone goes on my social media or see any interviews or if I've ever spoken on the House floor, there's not one complimentary thing that I've ever said about the Hamas squad. The first action I did as a member of Congress is I booted off Ilan Omar off the House Foreign Affairs Committee for her anti-Semitic rhetoric. I then targeted Rashida Tlaib with the appropriations process to remove the Palestinian flag. I've literally made it my mission to go after the Hamas squad in Congress, and guess what? We're putting W's on the board, because we already have those resolutions passed. So I have an issue with the language when it came to the censure. Rashida Tlaib is a barbarian. She shouldn't even be in the United States. I've never said that she's a good or decent person. She's far from it. But as a legislator, I feel as if you should be principled and have the responsibility to you know, vote on something when you know it is literally illegal and unconstitutional. That if it were to pass, then you would be privy to that, and that's something I can't stand for. So we're going to drop a new resolution, a new censure, and we're gonna we're gonna nail it to the wall, and that's going to be that time- timeline be on that
3: timeline time on that, Congressman. Any other, when we'll inter- see that new censure, we're,
1: we're, we're introducing it today. So okay. we'll have it introduced today on the House floor, and we'll you know we will try to push it for a vote as fast as we can, but. Once again, we're going to do this the right way, Bob. We're going to go and we're going to seek input so we can get the other members who didn't like that censure to vote unanimously to make sure that the entire body can hold her accountable.
3: Congressman Max Miller answering the uh, tough questions. Uh, it was, like I said, it was a shock because I know every word you just said is true. As a Jewish man and as with family in Israel, you have been as 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 hard on and as uh, uh, opposed to everything that has happened over there with respect to Hamas, with respect to Palestinians, and with respect to uh, the uh, the supporters of, of Hamas and Palestinians here in the United States. No one has been harder on you, which is why it was a shock for a lot of people to see your name on that list. So I wanted to get clarity. I wanted to get an explanation. I appreciate you coming on and giving us that, Congressman.
1: And and Bob, I got to tell you, I just want to say, you know, thank you for reaching out last night to anyone who's listening. And I said this to you as well, Bob. You know, if anyone has a question about any of our votes within Congress, you, I work for all of you. I work for everybody who is listening. If you guys have any questions, you know, please contact Bob or please contact myself or my office. And I'm always happy to discuss anything that's that that's happening up here because you all deserve that. I believe that. The curtains of Congress have always been closed in front of the American people. And what I am trying to do is to open those curtains for the people of Ohio Seven and you, Bob, and all the listeners, and really paint the accurate picture of what's happening here in a very broad, genuine and authentic way. And I'm just grateful for the platform um and the listening and, and anything I can do, just you know, I'd like to be held accountable. So I'm happy to answer any tough questions. Just thank you again.
3: I appreciate that. Thank you, Congressman Max Miller. All right, that's uh, that's uh, that's it for hour number one. We took it all the way up to the mark, so we're going to have to take a little time. We'll come.
2: You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Starts. This
0: is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer, is your host, Bob France.
3: All right, nine minutes after 10 o'clock, and we continue into hour number two now on AM 1420, The Answer. We just finished a, a very important conversation with Max Miller. Uh Congressman Max Miller, Ohio 7, uh, who was one of 23 Republicans who did not vote to censure Rashida Tlaib using the resolution introduced by Marjorie Taylor Greene yesterday. Uh, he, however, does support her censure with different language. He is writing and drafting now, he said, should be by the end of the day today, a new resolution of censure for Rashida Tlaib, one that does not reflect a quote-unquote insurrection. He believes that it gives legitimacy to the insurrection claims that they use about January 6th, and that's the reason why he would not do this. He wants her to be censured for all of her activities and everything she has done and said, but not using the word insurrection because of that, for that reason. Uh, I'm just going to say this in response before I go to Dr. Piper. I respect his willingness to come on this program and offer an explanation as people were shocked yesterday that he was one of the those to oppose that particular resolution of censure. So I respect him for coming on. I also respectfully disagree to a certain extent with what he had to say because to me... Uh, he said he does not want to follow the Democrats' lead. He doesn't want to get down in the mud and do things in a dirty way, a dishonest way, the way he does. He said we have to do it with integrity. It's what makes us different than them. And to me, I believe that sometimes when they go low, you have to get down there and go low at them. If you wait for them to rise up, you may never have a chance to fight back because they're not going to rise up and fight fair. They're going to fight dirty, and sometimes you have to get down in the dirt and fight with them. That's my opinion. It disagrees with uh, with uh, Congressman Miller's. I welcome your opinion when we get to uh, take your phone calls two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Let's bring in Congress or Congressman. We just finished Congressman Max Miller. Let's bring in now uh, Doctor Everett Piper, our good friend and regular Thursday commentator. He is a county commissioner in Oklahoma. He's a best-selling author, a twice-weekly columnist for the Washington Times. Doctor Piper, good morning. Good to have you back. How are you?
6: Good morning, Bob. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on.
3: Certainly, it's always a pleasure to have you on. So. Briefly um before we talk we normally normally talk about the uh, uh the uh, topics you write about for your uh, columns in the Washington Times but this is obviously of of some urgency um you know we are we are watching in my view Dr. Piper some Americans including American leaders giving aid and comfort to enemies of America and enemies of our ally Israel in the Middle East when they see a divided America chanting in support of Palestinians and more importantly chanting in support of Hamas especially one who is a congressional representative. I think censure is the least of what should happen to her. I believe uh, I believe a full expulsion from the Congress is in order, but uh, as I just noted, 23 uh, Republicans voted with the Democrats to oppose this particular censure of Rashida Tlaib. Thoughts?
6: Well, I didn't listen to the previous interview, but I, I did read the story on this, so I'm somewhat prepared to comment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to take a, a, a little bit of a... Path down memory lane here from what conversation that you and I had last week on this show. I think that this particular debate overlaps a little bit with what you and I talked last week uh, about the Second Amendment and should Second Amendment rights be restricted to those that align themselves with Hamas, those people, uh, college students and whatnot in America that are apparently advocating for the ideas, the worldview of a group that has celebrated the butchery of october 7th in israel um you know i was sharing that story with my son who works for prager university and i told him that i had an interesting conversation last week with you bob on your show and that i didn't really know how to respond because i understand the obligation that we have to defend the second amendment um however should we restrict second amendment rights or constitutional rights to those who seem to be hellbent on overthrowing the Constitution. And, you know, my son had an interesting response. Again, conservative, works for Prager University, Dennis Prager and whatnot. He said, Dad, you can't. I said, what do you mean? He said, if you have power in the Supreme Court now to compromise on the Second Amendment, you're going to set the precedent, open up Pandora's box, and when you lose that power in the Supreme Court, um, they're going to return the favor. They're going to exercise their power, the left to restrict your constitutional freedoms, because you're the one who made the argument that such freedoms could be restricted. Now that's an interesting response. So in the context of this insurrection debate with Mm -hmm. um, Mm Tlaib, I think words matter. I think the definition of words matter. And Republicans, conservatives of all people should conserve the time tested truths, the definitions of words, words like male and female mean something. Words like gay used to mean happiness and joy And now it means licentiousness and sexual license. Words mean something, and we need to preserve the definition of words. And they have abused, they, the left, have abused and dumbed down the definition of insurrection so that when a group of people decided that they wanted to protest what they considered to be um, curious election results, um, Republicans thought, no, wait a second, there's something wrong with what took place. We're going to protest that. All of a sudden, the left defined that as an insurrection, if we allow ourselves to dumb down the definition of words, then we will lose because the subjective definition of everything will play, uh, will, will result in a power play by anybody who has the bully pulpit at a given time. So I think Tlaib should be censured, but I think the definition of insurrection needs to be preserved and conserved by conservatives and not allow other people to dumb it down.
3: Okay. That's a that's a very fair and and well articulated position. So you're kind of in support of what uh the 23 did if that was the reason for them. I know it's yeah. the reason for yeah. Congressman Miller and he had some he had some strong people on his side, Chip Roy of Texas and uh and uh, uh, Thomas Massey. The, these are these are some of the most staunch conservatives in the body. Yeah, uh, and, uh, they, and they they agreed.
6: actually they actually you had uh, if I'm not mistaken, Bob, you correct me if I'm wrong, the people you just cited were also people that voted for uh Removing uh McCarthy as Speaker of the House, so they were part of the Conservative Twenty, right?
3: Massive um, was Massie. I know okay. that. Yeah.
6: All right. So you've got people that I don't think we should throw them out, throw the baby out with the bathwater, and accuse them of being traitors to the conservative cause, unless we listen to them. Um Again, I, I'm a, I'm an academic. I'm an educator, and I have argued my entire life that the downfall of Western civilization is going to be precipitated by the butchery of our language we dumb down the definition of things that matter right and left good and evil it's the prophecy of isaiah in the old testament woe unto them who call bitter sweet and sweet bitter good evil and evil good when we start calling a protest an insurrection and start throwing republicans in jail because they were protesting a suspicious election uh, we can't uh, continue to play the game of dumbing down language is what i'm trying to say yeah, so if no. that's why they did it, I can understand their justification, but I, I, maybe you got evidence that they... They were less principled than what I'm suggesting. I don't. No, know.
3: I, I have no more evidence than what uh, Congressman Miller just told me and uh, his justification and reason for doing this. And again, the fact that he's drafting a new uh, resolution of censure today uh, means he obviously does support censuring her. But uh, like you said, he wants to uh, wants to make sure that the language is accurate and, and protected. Okay, so I'm glad you mentioned Mike Johnson, by the way, uh, when in that speaker vote because your column this week is about uh, Congressman Johnson. I'm going to chastise you slightly for making me read the words of. C. CNN and other leftists that you recounted in their criticism of Mike Johnson, but I'll let you, uh, uh, I hate reading those things as much as I hate hearing them, uh, but I'll let you tell us uh, uh, a little bit more about uh, about what your point was.
6: Okay, so context, uh, full disclosure, I'm a huge fan of this uh, decision to have Mike Johnson as Speaker of the House. Um, I, I don't know how it happened. Nobody knew who he was yesterday, and all of a sudden he becomes Speaker of the House. The only way I can explain that is God's providence. Why am I excited about that? Because he's a former attorney with the Alliance Defending Freedom. To remind everybody, Alliance Defending Freedom is the most successful law firm in the United States of America in defending re- religious freedom between, be- before the Supreme Court. Nobody, no other legal firm in the United States has more victories before the Supreme Court on religious freedom than ADF. And uh, our new Speaker of the House has been an attorney for them. He's a Christian, and he doesn't apologize for being a Christian. Uh, CNN obviously has trouble with that. Uh, They're trying to say that he he has a history of harsh and anti-gay language, to quote them, out of an article that they wrote. Um, As you know, I went and researched his editorials back in 2004, 2005, and that particular era of his writing and his um, speaking out for religious liberty and for sanity in the United States. And here's one thing he said, and I'm not going to read my whole article, but I want to just give your listeners yeah. the, the the meat of what this man says. Here's a quote from his September 2004 editorial where he wrote this. The state and its citizens have a compelling interest in preserving the integrity of the marital union by making opposite-sex marriage the exclusive form of, of the family relationship endorsed by the government. Loss of the status will deemphasize the importance of a traditional marriage to society and weaken it and place our entire democratic system in jeopardy by eroding its foundation. If everyone does what is right in his own eyes, chaos and sexual anarchy will result. And make no mistake, the extremists who seek to redefine marriage also want to deny you the right to object to immoral behavior. Now, he goes on, and you know I cite multiple comments that he made during that particular time frame, which are equally important and he was right He was prophetic he said make no mistake these extremists want to redefine marriage and then deny you your right to object to what you know and define as immoral behavior they want to force their worldview down your throat in other words is what he's saying and he says we are eroding the foundations of our very democratic system and if everyone does what is right in his own eyes chaos And sexual anarchy will result. Can anybody, can anybody, left, right, or center, say that this man's prophetic wisdom in 2004 has not borne itself out in our streets as we now speak? If we're not living in a state of sexual anarchy and chaos, I don't know what it is. And if the foundations of our democratic system aren't being eroded before our very eyes, I don't know how else you can describe it. This man was prescient. He was spot on. He was prophetic. And he had good reasons to say what he said. And his predictions are bearing themselves out in our daily lives. And apparently, CNN just doesn't like it. They don't like the fact that the man was right. I mean, they're basically saying, oh, uh, Mike Johnson was right, and we don't like it. Therefore, he's a bad man. I mean, this is crazy talk from the left again.
3: Yeah, well, you know, they don't like the fact that he was right in both senses of the word, uh, which is which is kind of the point here. He is conservative, he is on the right, and he is a Judeo-Christian believer, and he is, as you point out, 5,000 years of cumulative Judeo-Christian common sense is what he espouses, and they despise that. Okay, we've got five solid uh, minutes left now with Dr. Everett Piper to talk about his second column for the week, uh, Ask Dr. E. And, uh, Dr. Piper, this week we're talking about higher education, which seems to be a a theme, uh, especially right now, because you mentioned even in your earlier comments about the uh, radicalism on uh, college campuses in support of uh, uh, Palestinians and Palestinian terror groups. So uh, whether or not kids should be exposed to those types of environments is the question here. Dear Dr. E., my husband and I are Christians, and we are wrestling with deciding where to send our son to college. My co- my husband thinks we should limit our options to conservative Christian schools. Because of our son's IQ, I think we should consider letting him attend a more prestigious secular school. After all, there are campus ministries nearby, and he can get involved in a good church, so he'll be okay. What do you think? Wanting what's best for Junior from Pittsburgh. Dr. Piper, take it away.
6: Well... Obviously, I believe education matters. I've said it a thousand times over on your show. What's taught today in the classroom will be practiced tomorrow in our culture. And we're seeing that play itself out in spades right now uh, in commentary uh, such as what we just reviewed prior to the break. Uh, Bad ideas are going to breed bad behavior. And the statistics show, the data shows, that we uh, lose 70% of our kids um, to our faith after we send them off to college, 70% of our sons and daughters who go off to college and university in the fall will abandon their faith. Seven out of ten will abandon their faith before they become juniors. The data shows that. So we just need to wrestle with that. Do you want to take the risk that you're in the 30% that make it through? And let's assume that that's the case. Let's assume you send your kid off to Harvard, Dartmouth, Princeton, and Yale, or my alma mater, Michigan State, and that your son makes it through. And he retains his faith, he he doesn't get involved in the party scene, he doesn't get drunk all the time, he doesn't get addicted to drugs, he doesn't contract any STDs, he doesn't get a woman pregnant. Let's assume your son makes it through and avoids all those dysfunctions and those diseases uh, while at the university. Is that the measure of a good education in your mind? Aren't we setting the bar a little low, if that's the case? What about learning more about God? What about learning more about the principles of good character rather than just setting yourself up to get a good job or to uh check the box that you got a prestigious degree rather than one that actually taught you about the constitution about character about the bible about god about the pretext to a to uh to a, a free society in a and a, and a, and a a constitutional republic what about all of those important things? If your son has just avoided the negatives and didn't get any of those positives, I would argue that's not the best education. So I'm a huge proponent of sending your kids off to college like Hillsdale College, which teaches the good things I just described. Uh, and I know you chose that for your for your daughter, I believe. Bob. Yes, correct. And, yeah. and, and wise choice. Because your daughter is still an adult. She'll make her own choices. She'll decide whether to... Uh, embrace the faith or not, and rather to be conservative or liberal in her own right, but when she's 18 years old, perhaps a father should do what you did. And, in, and mortgage the harm, if necessary, and send your kid off to a school that's going to support your values rather than tear your values down. Don't roll the dice and assume your kid is going to be in the 30% that made it. And even those 30% don't necessarily come out with a good education, they just avoided the collapse of their soul and the collapse of their character.
3: Well, that's, um, you know, most people don't think about that stuff, though. You know the soul, character, and everything else. They're just thinking, how much money can I make on the back end for my massive investigation on the front uh, investment? Excuse me, on the front end, and and it is, and it's an extraordinary amount of money. And 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 you know, people coming out of there and saying, well, my soul has been, uh, well, not saved, but my soul has been uh, served, perhaps. Uh, but can I make any money doing this? I think that's uh, that's the real question that you were asked there, and I think your answer is right. What matters more to you, the income uh, at the end of the day? or what, what you have become as a human being uh, as a result of your of your Christian education?
6: Well, and this is the history of education in America. Harvard, Dartmouth, Princeton, and Yale, every Ivy League institution, save one, was established on a biblical worldview. Harvard's mission statement was to lay Christ at the bottom as the foundation of all learning. That was Harvard. The reason that these institutions were established was to train up a moral culture, a, a a citizenry that understood that character matters and that morality matters. Education wasn't necessarily about money until oh, let's just say the uh, let's just say the late 1900s. It shifted. The whole paradigm shifted. And I don't think we should buy that lie. I think we should continue to recognize that our 18-year-olds need support and need a good education that teaches them what matters rather than just giving them a paycheck with more money.
3: Well, Dr. Piper, there's a reason people write you and ask you. They value your input because you do give a great, great thought and, uh, and wonderful advice every single time on Ask Dr. E. I encourage people to uh, read your work uh, by clicking and following you on Twitter, uh, Dr. Everett Piper. There's two E's, uh, two T's, beg your pardon. Well, there's two E's in it, too. But there's not together. Uh, and the word Everett, <laughs> Doctor Everett Piper, two T's on the end. Doctor Piper, always a pleasure. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. All
7: right,
3: 10:30 now. We'll get some news. We'll come back. Oh my goodness gracious! What a busy morning. We're going to talk to a state house candidate, Gary Fox, coming up. I'll get his reaction to the Max Miller interview. If you missed the conversation I had with Congressman Miller, it'll be posted shortly on my Rumble page and on W. All right, ten thirty-five. It's been a very, very busy morning so far. We had Congressman Max Miller on in the uh, first hour of the program. If you missed it, he was uh, explaining his reasoning and rationale for voting against, along with uh, twenty-two other Republicans, the uh, resolution to censure uh, censure uh, Rashida Talib, Representative Rashida Talib, who is a terror sympathizer working in the United States Congress. It's a it's a reprehensible thought that we have somebody like that there, but we do, and. Uh, there was a vote to censure her last night. Twenty three Republicans joined with the Democrats in opposing that censure, one of which was Max Miller, who is a Jewish and who has been one of the most steadfast opponents of all things Hamas and supporter of all things Israel that we have in the Congress, which is what made this so surprising. So we asked him why. He told us why. Uh, I'm looking forward to an opportunity to hear from you, your response to what you heard. Um, and we'll take your calls when we can at 216-901-0945, 1110 But now we do have a scheduled conversation with a man who is uh, trying to work on behalf of the people of Ohio as a member of the Ohio House of Representatives. Gary Fox is running in Ohio 66 against incumbent Sharon Ray. And Gary Fox joins us now to tell us why he's the right man for that job. Gary, good morning. How are you?
7: morning, Bob. Thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it.
3: Busy day today, my friend. Before we talk about Ohio issues and your campaign in this, uh, in this race, uh, any thoughts on, uh, I don't know if you heard the Max Miller interview or if you saw the result last night in the vote on that uh, motion to censure. Uh, any thoughts on, uh, on that whole situation before we get started?
7: Yeah, I was disappointed, and I want to be real clear. Max Miller is a friend of mine, and I, I don't mean that in a political sense. I mean, he and I have become friends, and I love him to death. But I, I don't agree with, uh, with his decision there. And, and I'll tell you why. I do agree that technically, or by any historical standards, insurrection, none of this has been an insurrection. Mm-hmm. But I believe we're at a point in this country where when, when, when you've got one side that will blow up terms and will, and will uh, use the law as a weapon and, and, and will throw the kitchen sink, Um, at this point, we have got to say, if this is the rules of engagement, if this is the way we're going to do things, then this is the way we're going to do things. And I believe they should have censured Rashida Tlaib over, over, uh, what she said and what she did, um, after that massacre in, uh, in Israel. So, um, uh, you know, I I wish I I was surprised as well, because Max is such an ardent supporter of Israel, the Jewish people, uh. (laughs) I, I was I was a little bit surprised, and I just want both nationally and in Ohio for Republicans to get very tough because Democrats are playing hardball.
3: Well, you're right. They are. And 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 they're playing lowball too, which is kind of what I talked about a little bit. They're playing dirty, which is just what makes them Democrats and Max said we have to not be that. We have to rise up above that kind of thing. Uh and I think sometimes if they're going to go low, you have to meet them down low rather than expecting them to raise up to uh to fighting on a fair fair playing field in a you know in a, in a decent and honest way. And I think that's where I disagree with him as well, but I did respect I, him for ironically, coming out and explaining it, it, his point.
7: It's the same argument. That, uh, many of the, uh, of, on the left are trying to make against Israel, asking them to, you know, here, here you've got Hamas committing gross war crimes. I mean, heinous war crimes. Yeah. And then immediately turning around and telling Israel, you need to have, a, we need to have a ceasefire. We need to have a ceasefire. A ceasefire can only happen when one side surrenders. And, uh, and on a, on a far lesser scale, that's, I believe, the, the philosophy that Republicans need to have going forward. That if if you're going to play dirty like this, then this is the game you want to play, then we're going to play this game. We have to, or else we will lose, and we'll lose not, not only politically, we'll lose the country.
3: Gary Fox, that's a good analogy, by the way, to the war, because you're right. A ceasefire is, hey, you know, let's not let's not all kill one another here and let's not all play dirty like this. Sorry, let's uh, let's be, you know, let's be nice. And and that is a surrender. And I think Bibi Nanyahu has said the very same thing. Asking for us to agree to a ceasefire is to surrender to Hamas because Hamas has already stated they're not going to ceasefire. They are looking for the next opportunity. In fact, one of their leaders said yesterday, I've got the audio clip uh, today, uh, we will continue to attack again and again and again until Israel is destroyed. So there is no ceasefire unless both sides agree to it. Um, and, uh, and in this case, what, what Congressman Miller, I believe, is saying is, is the same thing. Well, hey, let's not, let's not play dirty. Maybe they'll play nice next time. And I don't think yeah. they will. I think they'll continue to attack and use the same lowbrow uh, tactics they've always done. So I, I love
7: the sentiment, but I, I just don't think that's where we are right now.
3: Yeah, I think that's a fair thing. Let's talk about your campaign now. You want to uh, boot Sharon Ray. What's wrong with Sharon Ray? She's a Republican.
7: Yeah, she's a uh, she's what you would call, and I think you coined the term, a trans-dem. Uh, so, uh, we, and we've got plenty of them. She's not the only one, but she's, she's the so. one that we're dealing with in Medina County. Um, and so the, the time has come to where, you know, speaking about what's going on in Israel I mean we're, we're looking at the potential of World War three our country at home we're in major trouble in Ohio is flat-footed is all get out right now to brace for impact of what's going on um, and we have a rep in Medina County who is just out of touch uh, with with what's going on um, and, and not a leader here in Ohio we've got uh, we're, we're, we're we very well may have the most atrocious abortion uh, policy, I guess, enshrined into our constitution. Um, and Sharon Ray has done almost nothing to help lead the charge in Medina County to fight against this. Um, and, and so we just we need we need leaders who understand the score and understand the game that we're in and the point in history where we're at. And that Ohio does not have to, why are we not like Florida and Texas and these other states? Why are we not even talking like that? Uh, and it's because we don't have strong leadership. And so, and she's, she's kind of the poster child of the uh, status quo. And, and so we just don't have time anymore uh, to mess around.
3: So, what makes you the answer to that? I'm looking at your webpage right now. I'll tell people it's foxforohio.com, foxforohio.com, spelled out F O R, not the number four, like some people do. You call yourself a husband, a father, a business owner, and volunteer, and I'm going to assume that it's uh, in that order. Uh, tell us why Gary Fox can serve in the State House.
7: Yeah, well, I do. Uh, I, I'm, I am all those things. Uh, I've, I've come from the, well, the private sector. I also have a, a ministry background as well. Um, and, and, so, um, my wife and I have been, uh, uh, been in service. We've been serving people, you know, our whole marriage, uh, both in the church as foster parents. Um, and then we've, we're business owners. And so we've been able to create jobs and, uh, and kind of navigate through it right after we got started. The pandemic hit and we saw the, the incredible, uh, heavy hand of government try to shut us down essentially and um and so we we're able to na- navigate that and continue to grow uh, in spite of that. and so I do believe that that's what it's going to take uh, somebody who understands what it means to sign uh, you know the front of a paycheck and not just the back, and somebody who comes from um, not just a business background but from the private sector Sharon Ray has never I don't know if she's ever had a private sector job, and I know she hasn't since ninety five um, and so we're dealing with just a career bureaucrat, politician, um, uh, and that's just not where I come from. I don't think in those terms, uh, and I think in terms of right and wrong, I, I do have a degree in, in government from Liberty University. It's been a real passion of mine to understanding the founding principles and why they work. Um, and, and so uh, I'm just I'm a fighter. Uh, I, didn't come from, I didn't come from money, uh, but the Lord has been real good to us with the opportunities we've been able to uh, capitalize on. And, uh, and I think that's the type of represent- representatives that we need in in the legislature.
3: Um, any any legislative priorities, any things that you can think of that if you get into the Ohio House uh, in District 66, the first thing that you will look to either propose or jump on board and support legislatively?
7: There's a number of things. Some A lot of it's going to depend on what happens here on the 7th um you know (laughs) what we're looking at after that the world in ohio may be a lot different after november 7th but obviously our budget is way out of control in ohio we get about 25 percent of our uh the the difference in our budget comes from federal dollars which is bankrupt and so it's 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 terrible economics I, i just cringe when i hear people brag about ohio's budget as if it's somehow a, a conservative budget, it's historically high. So we, we have to cut spending big time. Um, and so I'm, I'm just not, it, it,
3: you I'm listed that Gary 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 Fox is our guest. He's a candidate for Ohio State House in uh, District 66. You listed cutting spending on your priorities page of your website. You have pro-life, cut spending and taxes, uh, pro second amendment, protect the constitution, shrink the size of state government and protect freedom. Noticeable by its absence here is education, which is a huge issue for parents and voters all over the state about what's going on, uh, you know, with the state, uh, first of all, state board of education, the Ohio Department of, of Education and Workforce taking it over. The uh, school board situations in which we have radicals, uh, you know, pumping uh, horrific curricula into the uh, into these schools and into these kids' heads. Any uh, any quick statement on education?
7: Yeah, it needs to be local, and and all of those big agencies can go away. As far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, Sharon Ray, her top donors, her top contributors are the teachers' unions, so they love her to death. Uh, but uh, I believe in local education. Um, I, I cannot fathom why our uh, the state board of education is the, the bureaucracy of that monster is unbelievable, um, and so that needs we we need local control, strong local control of our schools. I, I think we need to promote. Uh, we need to we need to really uh, get parents in control of what's going to be happening with their with their children's education when it comes to how is it going to be funded. If we if we're going to be a, a society. That insists on tax dollars going to education, and there's a great argument for that. The parents ought to be the ones to direct where where that's going, whether it's homeschooling, private schooling, or one of the government schools. Um, but and and I just the, the further education gets away from the parents, the worse it gets. Uh, we've got a long history of failure, uh, not just as a country, but in Ohio, cities just not doing well, and so we've got to put the both the privilege of of the parents to choose where their kids are going to go and also the responsibility of the of of the children being educated back to the parents and to their local communities.
3: I think that's well said. That's uh, that's hugely important to people. Anybody who's sent to the estate house has to has got to agree on the education point here. People ask me every day uh, about the cultural rot and so forth and what can we do about it. And I say it starts at the local school boards and it starts in the homes with education of our kids. And uh, so I'm yeah. glad to know that's a priority of yours as well. He's Gary Fox. He's running for... Ohio State House uh, uh, District 66 against Sharon Ray. He's a true conservative. Sharon Ray, one of the trans-Dems that supported the uh, Democrats in giving them way too much power than their membership deserves in the Ohio State House. So, uh, Gary Fox, the website is foxforohio.com, foxforohio.com. Keep up the good fight, Gary. Okay, 10.52, now we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. We're going to open up the entire 11 o'clock hour to get your phone calls, as uh, so many people have responses to and comments on Congressman Max Miller. I may play a little bit of that back to you as well, his explanation on a censure vote. But I want to focus on something different now. Uh, In addition to um, the extraordinarily important Election Day next week. We also have something that's very important coming up in early November as we do every year and that is Veterans Day and uh, we always like to try to spotlight our veterans and do most importantly more than just symbolic thank you for your service messages. We like to do something to help them and so does Dr. Ankur Gupta of North Ridgeville Family Dentistry. He has been uh, working very, very hard to provide free dental services for Veterans Day to veterans and he joins us now to tell us why this is so important to him. Dr. Gupta, good to have you back on our program for the second consecutive year uh, at around this time. How are you, sir? All right, I'm not hearing Dr. Gupta. Yeah, hi, how are you doing? There we go, we got you on now. Thank you, we're doing very well. Thank you for coming on today from North Ridgeville Family Dentistry. Tell me why you have uh, decided to, uh, you know, to, to undertake this very important endeavor to make sure that veterans are able to get the dental care that they need uh, free of charge for Veterans Day.
8: Yeah, so um, this started 10 years ago. Um, we had a dental hygienist who, her cousin, I think, or uncle, somebody who mm-hmm. uh, lived in a different state was, just had a toothache and needed the tooth to be pulled, and had just a really difficult time navigating the system. And uh, so she was telling us that story, and we thought there's probably a ton of people in our own community who might be kind of suffering from the same frustration. They, They need something done dentally. They can probably get it done through the VA, but it's just intimidating for them to work through the system. So we thought we would open for a full day where we, you know, our regular patients wouldn't be coming in, And we would just devote that entire day to doing free service on veterans.
3: So the the Veterans Day, of course, is uh, the 11th, which is Saturday. So you're going to be doing this special work for veterans on what day? This is going to be Thursday, November 9th. Thursday the ninth is going to be a free dental work for Veterans Day. You know, how much do you know about the VA and their services? And like you say, the you know the hoops you have to jump through, or the the steps you have to climb, whatever it is to get the services you need. It's sad to say, but it's it's a lot more difficult than a lot of people realize, isn't it?
8: Well, it is. It's it's not as though anybody there is, is doing a bad job. They're they're actually doing an incredible job. It's just the demand sometimes exceeds the capacity. Right. So right. There's a there's a VA um, uh, there's a clinic in Cleveland close to Case Western Reserve University um, and it's fabulous. It's excellent. And they do really, really cutting edge, wonderful work. But there's so many veterans in the greater Cleveland area that could that could use the help. And it's just really hard to um, wait your turn, I guess, especially when a tooth is actually hurting.
3: Yeah, so so you've been doing this for 10 years now. How many veterans would you say that you have provided free dental work for over the course of that decade?
8: Well, so our biggest year was last year. And maybe I have you to thank for that because um, you let me interview on your show last year. Our biggest day was last year. We had about 125 people come in. Oh my! Um, but average, every year we've done it, and we didn't do it in 2020. So we've only done it for nine years because... Because of COVID, we decided not to do it in 2020. I would say on average, we see 75 veterans um, that day. So we've done that for nine years. So whatever the math is, I don't know,
5: 650 wow.
8: veterans we've been in. and And the, the cool thing is, is that sometimes somebody needs, you know, two or three teeth pulled or a couple of teeth filled, and we're able to take care of that person that day and do, you know, like, several hundred dollars, maybe a couple thousand bucks worth of dental work on that person that same day. And so I don't know what the equivalent dollar amount is, but it's, it's something that I feel really proud of.
3: Well, you should. That's a phenomenal thing. That's I'm proud to have you on, and I'm really proud to know that maybe last year we made a difference and uh, in, in made, letting more people know about this available service that you're providing to veterans. Uh, I'm so glad to hear that you had a record number last year, and I hope we break it this year. Well, can we break it this year? I mean, how do you fit 125, 130, 140 patients in a single day? So it's crazy
8: because, I mean, that's not anything. Like on a regular day in, my, in our dental office, we'll see uh, – 25 people and it's like a busy day. So we just have a lot of volunteers that come, um, people who have no dental background, they'll come in and they'll just help with um, greeting people and triaging them, getting an idea of, uh, well, it's been 10 years now, Bob. So we have kind of a well-oiled machine now. Like we're really, really good at getting people, um, figuring out what they need, getting them in, taking care of them, getting them out so that, that the next person can, come in and so even if we see 130 it'll be a it'll be a busy day but it'll be incredibly gratifying and i love that i feel like
3: we can i'm sorry i was just gonna say i love that you have those volunteers coming in even people who aren't in the dental field but they come there to help you kind of facilitate things and to get them into the chairs and to and to make everybody comfortable or triage them and everything else because that means it's a it's a team effort and that shows respect for our veterans from the entire community
8: yeah it does and i mean there's and actually, that's the majority of the volunteers. Is I mean, obviously, there's the people who work for me. They're the ones who are, like, performing the dentistry stuff. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, I mean, it might be 15 people from the community who are just coming in, and uh, they want to sit in the waiting room with the veterans and just walk around, thank them for their service. We've had people who have put goodie bags together with, you know, various, um, you know, kind of needed stuff like soap and shampoo and, and oh. stuff like that, and they just give them out to everybody. It's it's really nice because yeah, we're doing the dental stuff. I mean, you know, not everybody can do a filling, but everybody can do something nice. So, and we, that. and that's been a has been a really wonderful thing.
3: I love that. Uh, that's phenomenal. So to make it clear, now Dr. Ankur Gupta of the uh, North Ridgeville Family Dentistry. This is walk-in, right? They they there's no appointments for this. Veterans who want to be treated uh, no, on November ninth, can, can they can they call?
8: yeah because then we can get you in at a spot where we know it's not going to be as busy okay. and so actually let me give you my phone number it's 440
3: that's what i wanted yep
8: 3, yeah 327 mm-hmm. 0027 3270027 right yeah but right. it is majority but it's nice. When people call, then we can get them in at the right time.
3: Well, that's perfect then. So I want everybody who's got a veteran in their family to know that if they have need uh, needs for dental, uh, 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 I don't want to say surgeries, dental uh, procedures or dental work, they can get free dental work on Veterans Day at North Ridgeville Family Dentistry on November 9th. Veterans Day is Saturday the 11th, so this is on Thursday the 9th. Uh, Dr. Gupta, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for organizing the volunteers that you do as well to treat these veterans with the respect they deserve, and it's a pleasure to be a part of this with you. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. Take care. You got it. Thank you, doctor. 440-327-0027. This hour of Always
0: Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com.
2: You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. Well, it's a simple answer, after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies: there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance.
0: This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM fourteen twenty. The answer.
3: All right, seven minutes after 11 o'clock on this Thursday, the second morning of the 11th month in the year of our Lord, 2023. Five days left to vote no on issues one and two. Please make sure that you do. Earlier this morning, speaking of voting, I had an exclusive conversation. I believe the first conversation with Congressman Max Miller, uh, who shocked a lot of people yesterday. Last night, when the motion to censure Rashida Tlaib was presented by Marjorie Taylor Greene. Twenty three Republicans joined with all Democrats to defeat that motion to censure Max Miller, who is Jewish and who is one of the loudest, most passionate voices in defense of Israel, where he has family and in condemnation of Rashida Tlaib was shockingly one of those no votes to um, to not censure Rashida Tlaib. I asked him last night in a private conversation, why? He explained why, and I told him he's going to have to come on and explain that to the people, his constituents, and all of my listeners, and he said, let's do it. And uh, to his credit, he uh, he sat uh, with us this morning and answered all of the tough questions I had for him about why he decided to do what he did. I want to give you a short portion of that before I go to your phone calls. 216-901-0945. Dial now with your reaction to whether or not you believe in or agree with congressman miller's decision to vote against that censure here's what he said
1: yeah and and i'm more than happy to this resolution uh and look i want to make something very clear i I like mcg she's a friend i we're we're both friends but this resolution if you read it in its full text bob in which i sent you and which we can publish on social media so the constituents can see this very i I
3: read it in full before i read it in full to our listeners before you came on just so they know what happened yep
1: well, thank you. But this specific text and this specific resolution was modeled after the January 6th insurrection legislation that the Democrats used against President Donald J. Trump. This is the exact type of resolution they used against him. I agree with you that Rashida Tlaib is a disgusting human being who does not answer, I mean, literally is you know, harboring terrorism, thoughts, and rhetoric, okay? We see that she won't even answer for slaughtered babies in which, you know, I have family over there in Israel, and I'm one of two just Republican Jews in this body. And I kicked Ilan Omar off the House Foreign Affairs Committee. But I have to tell you something, Bob. I'm a principled conservative, and if that means that there's a resolution that is literally unlawful and called a riot that happened at the Capitol on October 18th, an insurrection— then we're only giving the Democrats more credibility when it comes to January 6th, and that is something I am never going to stand for, because January 6th was never an insurrection, and what happened on October 18th wasn't an insurrection. Marjorie should have taken this bill through regular order and committee markup and worked with other members of Congress in order to achieve this. If she would have done that, Bob, this would have passed unanimously throughout the House Republican Conference. She chose to go a different route. But I want to repeat, you know, as a member of Congress voting on something that says there is an insurrection here on October 18th, that's a flat-out lie to the American people, and it's unconstitutional. And that's something I'm not going to put my name on and stand for. I think she's vile. And there's other censure measures that are going to be introduced, and we will hold her accountable the appropriate way and the American way.
3: So that's the, uh, the bulk of the answer prior to some of the questions that I asked Max Miller. I asked him specifically about the uh, insurrection part of this. This is his biggest complaint. He said that the entire resolution written by Marjorie Taylor Greene was modeled after uh, the January 6th committee and their uh, uh, attempt to censure President Donald Trump and others for quote-unquote insurrection. He said, if we allow the word insurrection to be used for what happened on October 18th with uh, with uh, Sharia Talib, then we are legitimizing their use of the word insurrection on January 6th, which, of course, was in support of Donald Trump. He said that is absolutely not true. It was not. So we can't, we can't legitimize one by uh, calling the other also an insurrection. He said, and he went on to say that there will be another vote to censure Rashida Tlaib, and he is drafting that legislation or that uh, resolution himself. When I asked him why when the court of public opinion says that uh, there was an insurrection on January 6th because that's what they were able to make happen, they being the media, the left, the Democrat Party, and so forth, most people are calling it an insurrection, even if they have no idea what that means. Why wouldn't you, why are you so concerned about not using that language here? And he said, well, I don't model myself, and we shouldn't model ourselves after liars and dishonest people like those in the uh, Democrat Party and the January 6th committee. We should uh, strive to do things uh, correctly and to do them right and do them honorably. Uh, my personal reaction to that is and was... When they go low, sometimes you have to get down there and go low with them in order to fight them because if you're waiting for them to rise up to a level of integrity and battle you on a on a level playing field, they'll never do it. They'll never rise up, and you'll never be able to win that fight because they won't engage with it up there. They'll only do it down below. That's my view. I want yours. 216-901-0945, TJ is in uh, Cleveland. Hi, TJ. Go ahead.
9: Hi, Bob. Uh, you know, I agree with you a thousand percent. They want to get in the mud. We should get in the mud with them. You ain't going to win taking the high ground against people like that. you got to be nastier and, and dirtier than them. And when it comes to uh, winning or losing, if you lose, nobody cares if you lost with integrity. You lost. That's the bottom line. But, you know, one point I'd like to make. That's a uh,
3: very, very well-stated point. I agree with that. That's very accurate. If you lose, nobody cares that you did so fighting clean. You just lost. If you, especially if the other side, you know, if if, if you're out there with you know eight ounce boxing gloves on and you're ready to fight by the Marquis of uh, Queensberry rules, and the other guy's coming at you with a two by four with a nail in it, um, <laughs> you're not going to feel good when you get killed by that guy with the two by four and the nail in it because you fought by the rules. You you need to fight his way if you want to win that fight. I agree with that.
9: But one, one point I'd like to make, Bob, this morning on the Hewitt Show, it really touched me when that rabbi was talking about his little boy going to bed with his little plastic sword because he's so afraid. In America, in 2023, not in Israel, but in America. And I'm thinking, this is terrible what this left has done. And all I would like to say if I met this little boy is that don't be afraid, son. There's millions of us on your side. And if any Jewish people listening to your, your show... I want them to know there's millions of us that are on your side. We'll stand up and defend you if we have to. You're not alone. And I just would like them to know that.
3: That's a very nice message, TJ. Thank you, my friend, for the phone call. Yeah, and I think most, uh, the most Jewish people who listen you know, to this program and to Dennis Prager's program and pretty much all of Salem, understand that there is overwhelming support for them in this country it's just that sadly too much of it is quiet too much of it is you know we don't get out there and demonstrate in large part because people go out there demonstrating in support of jews and israel end up being attacked by the uh... savages out there promoting savagery the ones promoting hamas and the terrorists and the animalistic uh, uh... nature that they that they have um, it's hard to get out there and be pro Jewish when the anti Semitism is so wild. And that's what I'm sorry to get off on a tangent here real quick, but in response to that, that's why this is so outrageous. The White House has, has issued a statement that they are developing and devising strategy, as they are calling it, uh, a strategy to combat and counter Islamophobia. Wait, what? Yeah. Despite the fact that federal hate crime statistics, now, by the way, I believe that most hate crimes, they are over, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? They're overrepresented. That so many quote-unquote hate crimes are not actually hate crimes, but they get that designation because they're looking for a reason to demonize somebody even more uh, based on, you know, th- again, I think of the hoaxes, ha- hoax hate crimes like the Jesse Smollett story and the Care story and so many others. But nonetheless, the hate crime statistics show that last year sixty percent of the hate crimes that were uh... were classified as such were targeting jews you know how many were targeting muslims nine percent sixty percent targeted jews nine percent targeted muslims and how does the white house respond do they respond with the first ever national strategy to counter anti semitism Nope. that nine percent has driven the White House to sponsor the first ever national strategy to counter Islamophobia. It is impossible to defend and justify. Impossible. Don't try. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. John and Parkman. John, you're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. John, where's Parkman?
4: Good morning. Hope you're doing fine. We are. I Thank totally, you. I totally agree with you and the last caller. You know, the problem with Republicans is they try to hold themselves above something, and like you said, they lose. Max Miller, we didn't elect him to decide, you know, that he's going to go his own way. He's got to do what his constituents want. Look, at this David Joyce, an important issue like this, he doesn't even bother to vote. Correct. He could care less what his constituents said and he's been that way i mean we have to start electing people that represent us instead of representing their own thoughts i could care less what max miller says or how many people in his family are over there i'm strong for the uh jews as we should be but who is he that well, I, my personal opinion of that it, it's ridiculous You vote and you go for
3: the blood. Well, here's what I would say, though. Um, The reality is he did get elected to do what he thinks is best. That's what we do when we choose our representatives. We choose them to go there and speak for us and, uh, and, and to do what we want him to do. Uh, and we trust his judgment. I I know. know. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'll let you finish your thought. But, but to speak for us and to make decisions that we, you know, we, we trust him to make decisions that will reflect our desires and our, and our will and our wish, our wishes. We do that with all of our elected representatives. Um, is we trust that they speak for us. If they go there and make decisions, and we find out hey he's not speaking for me. That's what reelection campaigns are for. And uh and, and you know, whether it's Max Miller or whether it's any of the other twenty two Republicans who did this, they're gonna have to decide did my did my constituents agree with my position on this? And if they did, then I get another term, and if they didn't, then I don't. And that's a decision that he and every one of them has to make. I'll let you finish your thought.
4: No, absolutely. The problem yeah. is if we don't do something to bring it to their attention now. Mm -hmm. Who cares when the next election is two or four years down the road? The damage is already done.
3: Well, you know, uh, you're right. That's it, it, very true. The only thing I – and thank you, my friend, for the phone call, John. The only thing that I can say is that they have to know this. They have to know that the people um, um, who, you know, they represent are going to make that decision. And whether it's two years down the line or, or you know, and it's actually not two years down the line because uh, Congressman Miller's a freshman. He's done his first year, and he's got one more year. So, um, you know, when that time comes, he's going to have to, you know, uh, explain his decision again. And I will say this as I, again – express my disagreement with um, you know the, the, the philosophy here that he is, he is using to, to make his decision. Uh, I do respect the fact that he is saying, "Look, it's not as if she's going to go uncensured. It's just that that particular resolution of censure was wrongly worded. And it was wrongly constructed because it was no one was allowed to have input. Marjorie Taylor Greene just wrote it herself and took it to the floor immediately. And uh, it did not go through committee. It did not go through a markup so they can make the language stronger and make it more accurate. And he's saying once we do that, there will be a vote of censure, and I will absolutely vote to censure her. So I want to be fair to him. It's not as if he is saying, no, I don't disagree with and I don't want to censure her for her anti-Semitic rhetoric and her pro-terrorist rhetoric. He does, but he wants it to be right. So I'm trying to be fair on all sides here. I disagree with the decision to vote against this resolution of censure, but I do respect the fact that he is saying we're working on one right now that will be better and will have more input and will indeed hold her accountable for what she has done and what she continues to do. And I think that's fair. Um, Yanina in University Heights. Yanina, go right ahead.
10: Yes, good morning. Good morning. You know, we don't have to procrastinate it. If we are unhappy, we unhappy with something, how they're treating Jewish people, we have to make it sound and talk, and we have to censor people who live in our country, using our money, and and fighting against Jewish Federation. This is Jewish people. It's a, it's a Christian, Jewish Christian country, and she's not allowed to say it. She has a flag for the Hamas, and she is representing, she's in Congress. What is she doing there? We have to, what my daughter lives in New York, she went for two years, uh, for two e- hours, she went for the pro-Israel meeting. Mm-hmm. And it was a, for, for Israel, and every time they talked, it was always pro-Israel. And now we have, to, we, we have to let them know that we're not going to tolerate what they're doing in this country. This
3: well, is, you, you is asked the question... Time? You asked a very important question there, Yanina, and then thank you for your call. You said, what is she doing there? She's got a Palestinian or Hamas flag outside of her office. What is she doing there? And the answer is exactly what she intended to do, not represent the people of the United States, but the people who are Palestinian, who live in her district of overwhelmingly Arab Muslim uh, uh, residents, including Palestinians in Dearborn, Michigan. She's representing Palestinian causes. She is in the United States Congress not to look out for the people of this country, but to look out for Palestinians. Her heart is in Gaza. Her body is in Washington so she can aid Gazans, as she calls them Palestinians. I refuse to play that game, by the way. There is no uh, Palestine. There has never been a Palestine that's been actually recognized. So there are no Palestinians, but they call themselves that. But that's where her her loyalty is. Her fealty is to the Palestinian causes and the the government of of Gaza, of the Gaza Strip that was elected, which is a terrorist group called Hamas. That is her loyalty. So she is best. She she figures it's, I'm better positioned to help my Palestinian causes by going to Washington and having a say and having some power and having a voice and having a platform for Palestinian and terrorist causes and the destruction of the Israeli state. She figures it's easier to do there than it is to actually be in Gaza. And she's probably right, especially when she's allowed to continue to do so. I said to Max Miller... Censure isn't enough. She needs to be expelled from Congress altogether. She has no business being there because she is not representing the people of the United States of America. She's representing Palestinian and and uh, Hamas terrorists. Uh, the politically incorrect mechanic we know as Charlie in Lakewood. Charlie, good morning. Go right ahead.
5: Morning, Bob. A couple of things I want to push back on that uh, Max Miller said. Okay. Uh, the first one. The first one uh, was that. When he, when he brought up the eight morons that ruined things for a month with the leadership. Mm-hmm. No, we didn't support him. No, a bunch of conservatives, a lot of conservatives didn't. A minority of conservatives supported that. You were one of the most, uh, vocal people against what they did from day one with the skepticism to begin with. And then it, the, and then everything that happened after that just got worse. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the only place that there's a fair fight is in the boxing ring, the octagon, the wrestling mat, and the movie screen. That's it. You don't have fair fights with people that are trying to take you out and doing anything they can. And if that means that you have to use their insurrection language against them, then that means you have to use your insurrection language against them. And that's it. Show show the world the kind of hypocrites that they are how they're going to say that one was an insurrection and one wasn't well then it's it's either one or the other in the January 6th language and all See, that See that's exactly is...
3: what I said to him Charlie right. and and his right. response but his response though is I mean we're literally like kind of seeing the same thing but from two different sides if we Call this his point is if we call this what happened on October eighteenth an insurrection led by Yesshishida Talib, then we are giving legitimacy to the claim that January 6th was an insurrection. His point is if we do not acknowledge this as one, then they won 't be able to acknowledge the other as one, and that 's where we disagree because they 're never going to not call that first one an insurrection it 's already been decided by the by the mainstream media uh, and by essentially most Americans.
5: And I, and I get that but the 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 people that are like-minded as far as you and I go know that when we use that term insurrection there's a there's a degree of facetiousness that goes along with it because yeah. we all know that the January 6th use of that word was bs from the get-go but yes, it was. And, and the last thing the last thing I want to say was that you know and I know the situation was resolved and done and over with but I can not help but go back and think about how fast that he he was so willing to bite the head off of that woman that made a benign statement about Christianity on Twitter. But when it comes to a terrorist supporting Congress person, she he, he can't he can't be, you know, he has to nitpick about the language of of a, of a resolution the censure that yep. that I, yeah, well, you know, I, I it's, do it's understand something that stuck out to me.
3: Yeah, no, I and I do understand that. He was very quick to defend his faith when it came to that other Twitter situation. But as I said to you, uh, you know, he has already done his penance for that. He has already apologized re- repeatedly over that. He owned it. He came on and answered every tough question about it. In this particular case, Charlie, and thank you for the call, buddy. In this particular case... Um, though he has not been shy about criticizing Rashida Tlaib. He has been probably the loudest voice condemning her and the Hamas caucus uh, of, the, uh, of the United States House of Representatives than, you know as anybody. As he said, he's one of two Jewish Republicans in the entire House. So he has been very, very strong in his condemnation of Rashida Tlaib. Don't think that he's not condemning anybody that's doing anything to Jews, just like he jumped on that situation in the, uh, in the Twitter feud. Uh, he is. It's just that he is explaining it again and again in his words and in his his view through his viewpoint. We need this censure to be right. We need it to be written correctly before we pass.
0: Keeping you informed among the uninformed. Always right. Radio with Bob France on the answer.
3: All right, it's uh, 1135. I want to give you a little bit more of what you may have missed in hour number one when we spoke exclusively with Congressman Max Miller about his decision to be one of 23 Republicans to join with the Democrats in not censuring Rashida Tlaib with the language put forth by uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. Listen. We're talking with Congressman Max Miller this morning exclusively a day after, really less than a full day after um, uh, a very important vote. Uh, to censure Rashida Tlaib for her uh, anti-Semitism and her pro-terrorist uh, rhetoric, um, Congressman, I get that you're, you know, you're pretty proud of the fact that Chip Roy and Thomas Massey agree with you, but nearly 200 of your colleagues, including some of your closest friends and most staunch conservative allies in that uh, Republican Conference, voted to approve and uh, uh, support this this censure. What do you say to them?
1: Bob, I can tell you, So I'm happy to share this. And I'm unfiltered, and you you know me from the very beginning to right now. I can tell you that the majority of the members in the Republican conference, whether they're going to say it publicly or not, agree with me. And that they were scared to not take that vote because they were afraid that they were going to face the pressure on social media, the same pressure that I'm facing right now in the backlash from the constituency. This is what Congress has done. This entire Congress has been run by the minority, to go ahead and to push these objectives. Look, I agree with a lot of what the minority has pushed. But right now, the majority of members took that vote, Bob, very simply. And that's a simple vote because they didn't want to go against Marjorie because she's scary. I'm not going to lie. She's intimidating. She comes at you with a massive platform, and so does Matt Gaetz. And they bully members into a vote. It's really funny to me that when I came here, everyone warned me about leadership and how leadership was going to, you know, cultivate me and, and change me and tell me how to vote a certain way. You know, as someone who just voted for Jim Jordan for Speaker every single round until we finally hit Mike Johnson, it's not leadership that corrupts people. It's the minority of this conference that bullies other members into voting a certain way. And that is just the flat-out truth. And I'm telling you that as someone who's on the inside of these halls of Congress, who sits in conference meetings and deals with these rank-and-file members who don't have the courage to speak up, because they're too lazy and complacent and like their jobs too much in Congress, Bob. That's why. We need to send real fighters to Washington, not complacent losers who just go with the status quo. I'm not that type of guy.
3: But in this particular case, you are among the the minority of, uh, of of Republicans. You... So, again, the entire uh, interview is available at whkradio.com. It will be available on my Rumble page and on my <clears throat> social media feeds, ASAP. Follow me on Twitter at France Rants. It will be there, F-R-A-N-T-Z, R-A-N-T-Z. And it will be on my Truth Social, Facebook, and Instagram pages, as well as Rumble. Look for Always Right Radio or just look for my name and you'll find me there, too. Dan is in uh, Middleburg Heights with a reaction to what he heard from Max Miller this morning. Dan, go right ahead.
11: Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I I wanted to call you a week ago, and I couldn't get through, but I want to link what Matt said, uh, the reverend, is it reverend or pastor, you know, at 10 o'clock, on words-meaning things.
3: Oh, uh, Dr. Piper, you mean?
11: Piper, yes. Yes. Okay, words-meaning things. And what Matt Miller's trying to tell everybody here on the word insurrection and diluting, when you're dealing with government and laws, but especially governance and constitutions, uh, I would like to bring up also the link to this to tie it together for you is uh, uh, the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. Yes. When he gave his uh, inaugural speech, when he was elect, you know uh, appointed or elected you know the Speaker, he pointed to the Congress, and this is links to your uh, to our uh, voting uh, no on exhibit one for abortion. He never said abortion. He said he referred to the uh, Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal, and he pointed at the Congress and the Democrats. He says, not born equal. It said created. And that's what Matt Miller's saying with a dilution of uh, insurrection. He doesn't want to go down that path, he's trying to do it the proper way. What you came up with with him was uh, sort of like the Columbo question at the end of the program is well, when are you going to do this? If he puts through his. Pro- uh, process to do it the right way, and and uh, and uh, you know uh, puts the uh, you know uh, you know through through the Congress today or tomorrow, like he said, yes. with the new with a new proposition. Then I agree with Matt Miller, and he's the guy you want. If he doesn't, then we're all in trouble. But that's what he's trying to tell you. Words mean things. You can't dilute words when you're talking Constitution.
3: Well, you're right. That is what his, his argument is. You, you, you restated it perfectly, and I'll tell you this, th- and thank you for the call, Dan. I'll tell you this. If he follows through and delivers a new resolution of censure today, as he said, and if they take another vote tonight like they did last night to censure her and it passes, I will absolutely say well done, Congressman Max Miller. I don't know if that's going to happen now. I don't know where this goes. I don't know what it will take to get another vote called. He also said, by the way, this resolution is going to be done today, or it should be. But he wants it to go through regular order, which means it will have to go through the committee process. It will have to be made available for markups. It will have to be made available for, for uh, you know committee votes to get it out to, to the House floor. And then Mike Johnson would have, to, would, would have to allow that to happen. So I don't know what that process looks like. I will say if it takes days or weeks... And then even if we do get a vote of censure, you know, days or weeks from now, it's going to lose its effectiveness. Because it's going to be more days and weeks that go by then that the rest of the world, and in particular, Hamas and Palestinian terrorists, uh, you know, uh, up and down Gaza and in the West Bank and on the entirety of the Middle East, um, they will continue to know that the American people, by way of their own representation, do not condemn uh, one of their own. That there's a split in America, that the United States is not united in its support of Israel. I think it emboldens them. I said this before when Rashida Tlaib did her little crying outside the Capitol. Rashida cried, people died. I think her passionate support for the, Israeli, or the uh, 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 Palestinian causes and the death of Israel and the death of Jews and the support of Hamas and so forth, I think it emboldens them and it makes them go kill more people so the longer it takes to censure her and for the you know the congress speaking for the people of the united states of america come together and say we denounce this the longer it takes to do that the more danger uh, it puts our our uh, our you know allies in over there and american troops on bases as well So, uh, you know, I I understand the point he made. I understand you just restated the point that he made. Words do have to matter. Ultimately, I think he's right that, you know, by by legitimizing calling this uh, uh, an insurrection, it it makes January 6th also legitimately an insurrection. I don't like that because it's not true. I agree with Max Miller on that point. But as I said to him, and you can hear it in the interview again that's been posted, as I said to him, and I'll repeat now, if, in the court of public opinion, January 6th was an insurrection, despite what he said and what Dan just said, words matter. I get it. And Dr. Piper said,